welcome back guys to another episode of the Black Crate Connect podcast. And I have a quantitative Quantitative. <laughs> it's a mouthful. Wait, hold on. <laughs> I never lead with that. It's a mouthful. <laughs> hold on, let me say it properly. Say it, like, could you say it for me, please? Quantitative trader. Quantitative trader. I don't know. What, where, we're about to find out what that means. Tongue and twister. <laughs> because that's a tongue twister. So welcome, Josh, everyone. Josh, you want to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. My name is Josh. Um, like you said, job title, quantitative trader. But I guess outside of that, much, much more. Um, and yeah, happy to be here. Happy to have a chat. Perfect. So I'm glad that you're you're here with me today. So I guess the first thing is obviously there's not a lot of um, black men I think in your profession, or is there? I don't know. Um, I have a lot of black friends in in my fields. Oh, do you? I, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I think rel- on a relative basis, it's not a lot, obviously in general. Mm. But um, yeah, like yeah, definitely. I've been I've been in the industry for like six six years now mm. um 10 years if you count like my first foray into it through internships and stuff mm. and for sure like the number of black people has increased like really yeah, yeah definitely definitely so i'm interested to kind of know like your background mm-hmm. and kind of what led you to get to where you are today mm-hmm. basically so I know we spoke briefly outside before we started recording the podcast. Yeah, yeah. And you said that you had to basically appeal from, from <laughs> so from so from you left school, you went to Richmond, but yes. it wasn't like an easy journey. So like, what? Yeah. How did you get into college? What was that? Uh, that was a treacherous path. It didn't need to be treacherous, but it was. Um, so I went to school in Bermondsey. Um, actually, my school was like one of the first ever academies. Like Tony mm. Blair is the one that opened it. When I started in year seven, it only went up to year nine. Like, literally, it was brand new, fresh. Um, and obviously, I grew up in Peckham mm. and kind of had, like, the upbringing that you'd expect of someone growing up in that kind of area from young. Like so what? Like, what What type of upbringing did you have in Peckham? Just a lot of street troubles, you know, like, you, I wouldn't say, like, gang culture, but, like, you have your friends, you play outside, mm. outside is Peckham, things are happening in Peckham, you know. We grew up in North Peckham Estate. Um, obviously, I think it's probably most famed for, like, the whole Damalola Taylor thing. Mm. Um, so you can kind of imagine, like, the type of environment that was growing up. So I think when I went to school, because I was going to school in Bermondsey, it was actually, I kind of thanked my mom in retrospect because mm. it meant that every day I was leaving Peckham to go to Bermondsey to go to school. Mm. But because of that, I obviously had certain tendencies in terms of behavior and, you know, these sort of things that meant that I was quite, I wouldn't say troublesome at school. I was just a little bit uh, bored and unsettled. And my mind was always thinking about the reality of outside rather than in school. Mm. So because of that, uh, even though I was getting like good grades and stuff, Mm. I was always like running into trouble uh, with teachers and things like that. And it became a bit of a problem when it came to moving on after year Mm. 11 because I had like a number of, you know, like internal exclusions and like handful of days exclusions and stuff like that. Ah, Were you not scared of your parents? Did did they not? It wasn't, but this this is the thing. It wasn't an explicit thing of misbehaving. It was Mm. just, imagine like things are in such an extreme 
manner outside of school mm. and then you come into school and you're constricted in like a classroom for one hour mm. when the reality of outside is the stark opposite of that so that brings a lot of like disgruntlement a lot of you know like what so, looks like to a teacher is bad behavior but it's just right. really frustration so what know? what do you think schools mm. can do to help children because obviously that must still be happening so what what do you think that they can do to accommodate and to help children work best i'll be honest i have no idea okay. I, f- I think i just made it through by the grace of god mm-hmm. like i'm still in i'm still in retrospect trying to like decipher my journey to understand mm. what could be done systematically at scale to like offset mm. you know um that kind of uh experience but it's tough i don't know i don't know um all i know is that if i wasn't getting <coughs> good grades mm-hmm. it would have been an issue um the fact i had good grades meant that there was always a fallback and i had like some leg to stand on when it came to like arguing my case which was the case when you know my school was like you're not staying here for sixth form bounce and we're not necessarily going to give you the best of, of uh, reviews. But what were you doing? How, like, I need to understand that. Like, what What were you doing that was so bad for them to say you can't save a six, sixth form? Because that's wild. I think I was just very opinionated okay. for one. So, you know, like, not to say I would question teachers, but like, I was quite inquisitive. And if a teacher is telling me, you know, the world is a certain way, I'm going to ask why. And mm. I'm going to say... I've seen the world in this way. Right. Like, you're saying <laughs> this, it doesn't match up. Mm. You know, like, what's going on? And mm. to a teacher, that's annoying because that teacher's just trying to get through that hour lesson. <laughs> and they've got this mm. 15-year-old, you know, like, disrupt, like disrupting the class, basically. And um, I think, yeah, that's, I mean, a lot of the issues mm. were, were kind of born out of that. Mm. like and I think that was probably like the main but you were just curious like yeah that's okay that's okay but in a schooling environment it's mm. it's very structured and rigid right like mm. that's not really the place where that's gonna that type of um trait is gonna flourish you know that's so. a, the thing is I, f- I understand what you're saying but I feel like there should be spaces whether it's after school or lunchtime where children can explore and ask those questions or explore their curiosity. Because that's what school is meant to be about. It's meant to be about learning and facilitating that yeah. growth. So Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's true. But at the same time, you've got the reality of outside, right? So like, mm. even if those channels existed, I probably wouldn't have gone to them because I'm trying to Fair survive enough. outside. <laughs> What's this channel going to do for me, you know? Like, so, you, you know what I'm saying? So, so when you say that you try to survive outside, like what like what was it specifically like growing up, like that you had to focus on trying to survive? Like what was that like for you? I mean, there was a lot of situations and it's, to be honest, even if I mention it, like now I'm 28, it's just going to sound very foreign, but like little things like the threat of being kidnapped, for example. like Being kidnapped? Yeah, yeah, like this sort of thing hanging over like a 13, 14, 15 year old kid in school. If that's what you're trying to like strategize against uh, escaping and you've got like a teacher complaining that you are, oh, Josh, why are you wearing your jacket in class? Like, miss, allow it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? Allow yeah. it. I'm, I'm trying to strategize how I'm going to like get out of school and, you know what I mean, get home without getting jumped. 
and you're telling me I've got my jacket on in class. That's not what I'm trying to hear. Do you see what I'm saying? So mm. that obviously the teacher's got no idea. Mm. The teacher just hears what this young kid is telling me to allow it. What do you mean? Like you're undermine, undermining my authority, yada, 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 yada. Mm. So obviously that was, I had so many clashes like that and mm. it was kind of inevitable, you know? So then, on that note, because I, I think about this for when I have kids. You don't have kids mm. yet, do you? No, no. Okay, so I think about this when I have kids. I think to myself, I obviously want my children to go to good schools mm. and I don't want them to have this problem. I'm sure you don't want your children to have this problem as well. Would you then prefer to take your children out of that of those areas and raise them up in particular schools? Or would you rather them be in areas where, in schools, where mm. teachers could actually understand them and can relate more to them? What's your preference? But yet they potentially might get a better ed- education outside of those areas. Mm. Based on your experiences, what would you prefer to do? Um, I think based on my experience, I think my parents done well. Um, and I think the reason they done well is because uh, they just gave me like options. Mm. They gave me a choice. Mm. You know, like I've, I've done so many things like as a kid, like I used to obviously play football. I used to swim. I used to like, go racing like swimming racing okay um i've played like nearly every instrument under the sun like, name them come on uh, piano, I, I, I done piano lessons piano I done, yeah i done guitar lessons okay. um i done trumpet lessons i done drum lessons okay um can you play them all now not really but i mean i understand like the theory of it like the, that's good the note structure and and all of that i still remember that um i can play notes on probably every single instrument probably not guitar Mm. Um, but like piano I can play chords um, I'm not good but I can play <laughs> yeah 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 um, so like I've had all of, all of those experiences um, you know like my mum tried to like I even did drama classes like I've done mm. like a theatre I've been in a theatre production really? yeah like when Which I was one? young it was like back in the day I don't know if you remember there's a there's a theatre in, in Deptford and I was probably like maybe like 12 years old. Mm. It wasn't like a big production or anything. Mm, but it's all something. Exactly, yeah. yeah like yeah. we had to go to drama class and we had to, I used to like take my Beyblade because um, I didn't want to be there, but my mom made me go. Mm. And in hindsight, all of those things benefited because I always had my own mind because I mm. always knew there's options. So mm. when, you know, like you're playing outside with your friends and, you know, one of the older guys is telling one of your, your younger friends like, oh, okay, like go and do this thing. Mm. He's just doing it because he doesn't know any better. But if those guys are telling me to do that, no, nah, it's an argument because I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. You have your own mind. I want to do yeah. this or that or that. And I know that I can do this and that and that. So it was always, I was always arguing with someone. Either someone That's on road good. or arguing with teachers. No, but it shows you know I mean? that you have but, your own mind though. Yeah, but a lot of that is because my mum showed me like, yo, compact this, compact that, compact that. And at the time mm. I didn't like it. I felt like it was a waste of time. But in hindsight, that's what gave me like the kind of um, uh, a more rounded viewpoint. And Mm. to answer your question, I think I probably wouldn't, just because of my experience, I I wouldn't necessarily like want to take my kids out of the way that I went to school and put them in the opposite extreme because of my situation. You see what I mean? Because I still mm. think there's a lot of merits mm. in going to school in like an inner city mm. London area and whatever. Um, and also like on the other side of it, you have schooling issues. 
like in private mm. schools and schools that are like outskirts of London. You know, mm. you have other issues. Like there's issues everywhere. You just mm. have to, mm. if anything, you're more suited to the issues that you know rather than the new issues that's on the horizon in, in the other school structure. So yeah, I don't think my experience would put me off. Mm. Um, yeah, having having kids in the same sort of environment. Yeah. The thing is, I would say, would you have kids in Grandma and Peckham now? But I feel like Peckham's a completely different place now than it was when you were growing up. I feel yeah. like it is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that's definitely. So I would, yeah, yeah, 100%. yeah. You would, yeah. Okay, so Peckham is Peckham is cool now. Like it is, isn't it? Like I went. Where did I go? I feel like Peckham has like loads of secret place, like hidden spots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, and it's like. It's the other day I went to this bar and I realised that there's like a cinema. Mm. Like, I'm like, oh, this is cool, yeah, Peckham. Yeah. I see you. Yeah, was that like a, a rooftop? Rooftop cinema, yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I remember one time my friend invited me for drinks at this random, like, this was years ago, this random spot and she was like, it's in Peckham. I was like, where? Huh? Like, and, <laughs> Since and, when? And, and, and then I saw it at like Peckham High Street. I was thinking, where Peckham High Street? She's taking me. Yeah. And it was like this back, it's not visible on the high street. Yeah, you have to go key. behind some doors and then... And it was like a vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> like, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> okay, all right, come through, Peckham. But um, anyway, so back to, so mm. you mentioned a lot about your mum mm. influencing your um, mindset, mm-hmm. how you approach things. Mm-hmm. Would you say that she's like, a, obviously one of the key influences in your life? Is there anyone else that kind of played as I'd a key say, influence? Yeah, definitely. I would say everyone, everyone in my family, um, again, this is in massive hindsight, like mm. massive retrospect, looking back. Yeah. Everyone had influence. Even like the career path I chose, that was definitely heavily influenced by my sister. Um because okay. she went into finance. Um in terms of like the single minded thing, I would say yes, my mum on the one hand, but also my brother. Because mm. my brother wasn't he didn't fall into the norm of like all the all the all the other boys that grew up in Peckham. Like I didn't see him in the same light, you know. Um, even similar that. to what I was saying to you earlier about like yeah. the friendship group thing like in Peckham back in the day it's like if you have a friend from another area <laughs> you better not tell no one <laughs> because people will class you as a snake oh what you're you're rolling with these That's men from crazy. that area you know what I mean so but my brother didn't subscribe to that way of thinking like yeah. he had friends from wherever he wanted to have friends from and he just went about Obviously, it wasn't easy, but he just went about living his life how he wanted to live his life, having mm. fun. He's the one that got me into bikes, uh, like motorbikes, dirt bikes, stuff like that. Mm. Um, he's the one that got me into driving, mm. even though I don't care about driving. Like I'm more of a bike person than mm. a car person. Um, but yeah, he's the one that kind of got me into all of this kind of thing. So. And it's just, mm. I wouldn't say like he was like, oh, Josh, yo, look at this. It's mm. more... I'm just looking at him as my older brother and I'm like, oh, that's lit, that's lit, that's lit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Do you know what? I feel like it's in, it's really um, incredible that your brother in particular mm. had friends. It sounded like he had friends from different walks of life. So he was able to potentially pick up different cultural influences from different people, mm. which helped to kind of expand his interest and yeah, his hobbies yeah. and stuff like that, which yeah. obviously impacted you. Mm-hmm. Like, And I feel like that's important in general to make sure you don't just have one set, one type of friend. You need to have a little bit of everything mm. so you can broaden your knowledge. Would you say you kind of, you've adopted that now? Um, yeah, I think I was lucky because I kind of had that frame of thinking from early mm. like from early doors um 
Yeah. So on the on the friendship tip, mm. right now as an adult, we're mm. gonna get back to your upbringing in a second. But as an adult, where would you say your friendship groups align? So you know, some people have friends for fun, friends mm. for money, conversations, friends for business, or whatever. Where, mm. where what what are your friendship pockets at the moment? Um, I wouldn't say they're categorized because okay. like they kind of overlap. You overlap with you know all of those topics with different friends, but. Mm. I think my friendship groups are kind of derived from uh, like different parts of my life, I guess. Mm. <clears throat> so uh, I'd say like my core friendship group is from college onwards. Okay. So like my first ever friendship group, it just doesn't exist anymore. Like <laughs> it's, it's so cliche, but like either everyone is like dead or in jail. So oh, like, yeah, yeah, so like up to 16, wow. I kind of just have to discount all of that. Um, but from 16 when I started college mm. my friendship group then is like my core friendship group now so that's like my core and then obviously um, went to university mm. met a whole bunch of people like everyone does when you go to uni it's like wow there's people from this place and that place um, so I've got a bunch of friends that stem from that mm. um, and then I'd say probably the last source of friendships is um so just before uni, I took a gap year and okay. I worked I worked in banking for a year mm. and uh, I met a whole, like an, a whole host of people um, who were kind of, you know, I would say I hadn't, prior to that, I hadn't met like black people that were like into what I was into, like in terms of career, career path and like. Just, really? Yeah, not really. Like, because everyone I knew was from ENDS and. I didn't really... What were they into? What, the ones from ENDS? Yeah, like... I mean, just not careers. <laughs> okay. Other type of careers, you know okay. what I mean? Um, yeah, like, we didn't... Because when we were in school and stuff, you're not really thinking beyond, like, 21. Because mm. you, you don't really know any olders that go past that, mm. you know? So, um, yeah, like, when I was doing the gap year, I met a whole bunch of people that, like, you know, were going to uni, doing gap years as well working in like different um different uh industries mm -hmm. like my school friends we all took gap years at the same time as well mm -hmm. so yeah like that's that's probably like the core the core setup and i do okay. everything with like all of them so it's kind of okay. intertwines okay wicked all right so going so going back to your upbringing a little bit mm. so when you left, obviously, Sixth Form didn't want you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and uh, Richmond was the college that you... I'm salty about that to this day. I'm not going to lie. So what happened? Hold on. How did you find out? They just rejected me. <clears throat> like, I got the reject letter. Oh, no. How did you feel? I felt a bit violated. I was like, how can you reject me? I've got friends that are in your college right now. Yeah. In, in one, like, one year above yeah. me. Um... Like, I'm not stupid. <laughs> so why, like, why are you rejecting me? Like, you, the college was huge. There was like yeah. thousands of people. Yeah. So I was like, how are you rejecting me? What, what um, reason did they give you? It was like one of those just general genetic. Generic. We regret to inform yeah, you. Those words. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, and I had never, obviously, like, I hadn't really applied for things. Right. Um, probably the biggest failure up until that point was football. Mm. and that was like that that was digestible because that's my fault is in mm. my hands but this the richmond thing i was like really like seriously and at that point i actually didn't know what i was going to do 
because mm. it was kind of a treacherous period. There was a lot of peak stuff that happened like outside on mm. road and it was really a crossroad. I needed I needed college. Oh, is it? <laughs> I needed college because if I didn't go yeah, to college, yeah. I'm gonna be sucked into whatever. Life. Like what else am I doing? I'm gonna yeah. get sucked into it. So what, I, I needed to cut. What what did you want to study in college? What were you good at? Um so I wanted I was good at pretty much everything. I would oh, say sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this time I'm just gonna drama. <laughs> no, I was I was I was good at like most things and I would say I enjoyed science the most. Okay. So I wanted to do like just all sciences basically. Really? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to do like biology, chemistry, physics and just forget about everything else. Okay. Um I didn't like maths because I hated my maths teachers. They were right. they were all ops. Right. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Call your maths teachers ops. They were all they ops. They were all ops, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Were, but do you know what it is? I, again, in hindsight, it's so funny because basically where I always had, so in year 10 and 11, where I had maths in my timetable, mm. it was always a lesson I was late for because like it was just a peak time of the day mm. and I, I just always couldn't be on time for that lesson well you in school you couldn't you couldn't be on time yeah because it, it was private emails it was, <laughs> i wish <laughs> on i wish <laughs> i wish man um no nah, like it was like usually the start of the day like first period right and a lot of the time like i would uh i would just just come into school late like okay there might casually been, yeah there might have been like some passa happening or like Every single day. Yeah, man, it was. It weren't easy. <laughs> Every like, day. Generally, that is a different life, you know. Generally, because a, a lot of my a lot of my friends went. Um, a lot of my friends went Ramsey, Michael Ramsey. Um, right, I heard of that. Yeah, oh. and like, thank God I didn't go there because Jesus, <laughs> I wouldn't have made it to year eleven for sure. But a lot of my friends got kicked out, so they in the mornings mm. we would link up. Obviously, I'm going to school, but they're not doing nothing. Um, they didn't even go to centre. They got kicked out of centre. So uh, what were they doing? Listen, that's crazy. <laughs> but the thing is, just out of interest, mm. was it? I'm guessing they were mainly black um, yeah, yeah. friends as well. Yeah. Obviously, I, d- I don't. I don't have context as to what what they actually did to kick them out. But mm. I just feel like from th- such a young age, they kicked mm. them out of school and centre. They're set up for failure. Yeah, they are. They are. They are. They are definitely. Definitely. 100% and um, a lot of the reason why they get kicked out from centre as well is because again it goes back to what I was saying about your in your mind your first concern is your safety you don't yeah, care about yeah. this person who's been employed to work at centre telling yeah. you ah oh, sit down and look at the board and this is the lesson mate yeah. I'm trying to survive I don't, yeah. I don't care about what you're saying <laughs> so okay like, what they're saying is irrelevant at that moment you know and you because often police are involved in yeah like marking people as this person is a cause for concern and yada mm. yada yada um it means that like people are written off straight mm. away so you might not even have a chance you might get kicked out of school go to center and center are like okay this person is on this list we don't want him here Oh, is it? We're looking for the first thing that thing that he does that he does, just... and then he's out. That's so crazy. do you know what I mean? So then you you don't really have a chance. Um, and a lot of people like I would say a a quite a um common theme is that at some point there's like some 
uh, household disgruntlement, yeah. either like one parent leaves or yeah. like, you know, there's a, <clears throat> like a divorce or like something, something that happens that dis- destabilizes the home. The child, yeah. And then the child is on road and then kind of seeks that whole validation from people on roads. There's olders, you know, mm. you're getting, it's almost like a dopamine effect. Like, you know, yeah. you're getting rewarded for aligning with a certain structure outside and stuff um and then that just leads you on a path of like <laughs> destruction self, yeah kind yeah. of thing so do you think that still happens today do you think that's still existing or do you think it's watered down a little bit um i don't know because i'm i'm the youngest of my siblings so i don't have any younger siblings i don't have any younger cousins so i don't, don't know i don't know like. anyone of that age group um i don't really know any i've got one friend who's a teacher mm. but to be honest, I, I should probably ask her what she thinks. Yeah, um, because... But I, I just don't have any close alignment to it all, so I, I just mm. don't know. Just... So do you think that there's things that we can do as older, marginal, you know, mm. just kind of like successful-ish mm-hmm. kind of black people? Do you think there's anything we can do to be more involved or to help so that th- so that more people, more black mm. um, young, like, young people have more of a chance mm-hmm. in life because I think the problems that you described, they're workable. Like, yeah. it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. They just need someone to talk to, to understand them, to work and nurture with them. So mm-hmm. is there, do you think there's more responsibility, that's what I'm asking, that we need to take or no? Um, I think there is more responsibility that we can take, but we can, we can do it from a selfish position, I think. How? What do you mean? Because... Like you don't really want it to be a chore. Like if some if if a solution is going to be like scalable, uh, or systematic at scale, and uh, then it kind of needs to be like the incentive structure needs to align towards that. Do you know what I mean? So like right, okay. for example, if you're gonna be if you're gonna say we need more representation across a whole host of industries to show mm. younger people that look, you don't just have this option. You've got all of these yeah, options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There needs to be some incentive that's built into someone being visible, right? right so, yeah. um, because at the end of the day, we're all somewhat selfish. I always oh. refer to Dave's album album cover, um, album name. Uh, we're all in, in this together. We're all alone in this together. Basically. Exactly. Yeah. Like everyone's on their own journey, but you still need everyone to like show their journey so that people behind and like further below the chain can see okay mm, mm, mm. this is possible because mm, mm. it's not enough to have just one of that yeah because that's not going to suit everyone mm. you need to have like a whole range of yeah, that so someone can look and be like okay i can relate to that and maybe that and maybe that bit and then i can maybe add that to my route and then this is going to be my route and then they get yeah. added you know do, do you think you had that growing up because i i don't think <clears throat> even now I don't think I still have that. Mm. Like someone that, sorry, <clears throat> hay fever and everything. <laughs> um, I don't think, I don't see someone, I'm inspired by people's journeys and it's like, mm. that's great, that's great. But I don't see someone that's doing exactly like, boom, that's what I want to do. Mm. I don't see it personally. Yeah, that would be impossible though. I feel like I've met people that say, oh yeah, um, this person inspires mm. me, especially more so in creative, really? like, like in acting or music or like, you know, being in a particular position. Yeah. Like, I've, I've heard that from people, but I just, I don't feel that. Do you, have you had anyone growing up or even now that you look at and say, I would love to, that person to mentor me, like they're doing what I want to be doing? 
Um, not really, because I think I see it a little bit differently. Like, I if we're gonna give it the title of like mentors, I would say like my friends are basically my mentors because I look at them and I'm like, that's cold. What can I learn from that? Maybe this part. Then I look at another one and be like, mm, that's cold. What can I learn from that? Mm. Mm, nothing. Okay, cool. I'll check back in a bit. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. There's not like, I can't be like, oh, there's this one figure mm. that I'm going to try to aspire to mm. be like. I, I just, I don't think that's how I'm set up in terms of mm. like the way I'm motivated and stuff mm. like that. Because it's, I don't know. I've like, for example, I'm not, you know, some people love celebrities. Yeah. like they'll have like a certain celebrity yeah, yeah, like yeah. they really that's their person I don't get it but yeah <laughs> yeah exactly exactly it's the same and I see like the whole mentoring thing as the same because it's like the, I feel like the idea of it is better than the reality of it because you could be like oh I want to be like this person but have you met that person and experienced experienced that person's life yeah like it, it might not be what you think it is you know so I think mm. I'm just more of of the camp of taking bits from different people's journeys I agree um, and I think where like I said when I took the gap year a lot of us were striving to find our own paths at the same time and different paths as well so mm. I still look at those same people today and I'm inspired by them because I'm like rah you went from that to this so okay so let's let's actually go through your career path because I don't I, I want people to kind of follow so obviously mm. you went to Richmond you managed to get in eventually because you appealed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what did you study in Richmond uh what did I study so I did uh, so this is the thing so I got in um I tried to do the sciences there was full up basically so okay. I, so I couldn't I got into biology okay couldn't do chemistry couldn't do physics uh couldn't do maths they you couldn't let, do maths they didn't let me in to do maths Economics, economics I couldn't do I couldn't do economics really? the only reason why I ended up being allowed to do economics was because um, I just forced myself into the class <laughs> there wasn't even enough chairs there were, honestly there wasn't even enough chairs I forced myself no, into the didn't. class I swear down no, no joke what happened forced myself into the class and after the first few lessons people dropped out and then there was so space. you just turned up yeah because I was like what am I going to study then? Like, you've allowed me to come in, but like, when I'm picking... So, I don't know if it was the same in your in your college, but basically there's enrollment day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, pick, I, I remember. Yeah, yeah where yeah. you pick your lesson, yeah, uh, yeah. you pick your subjects. Yeah. Um, And they were just telling me, this is full, this is full, this is full. So like... That's blocking you, yeah, boy. Yeah, like, I've got... But remember, I appealed. So like, yeah. everything has been allocated. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm late. I'm hella late. Yeah. So, even when like, uh, I didn't have a timetable straight away because I didn't know what classes I was doing. Mm. Um, but I was going to the lessons that I wanted to do. Mm-mm. Mass was just a no entry because there was just no space and no one was dropping out until like later. I think in January, people done exams and they were like, nah. This is too much. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I settled on economics. People dropped out. So Wait, I what did the teacher there. say? Like, when teacher, you just turn up to the class and you're not on the register, what did they say? So I remember like it was an old white lady, like very, very, very old. And yeah. she was, she was quite, she sounded quite posh. Mm. I'm probably being presumptuous, but she sounded quite posh. Um, I think she was just used to it. I oh, think, okay. yeah, I think she had been teaching for a number of years. It's probably like that okay. every year, like Richmond is a massive college and whatever. But I remember like we, we had to get chairs from the other class because oh, wow. I think the max was like 30 or something. 
Um, but anyway, uh, landed on psychology, economics, and biology. Okay. Um, so I wasn't really, I wouldn't say I was happy because I wasn't studying what I wanted to study. I wanted to do all sciences mm. and become a scientist. Like, yeah. Wow, um, that- Thank God I didn't go That's down a that unique path. career path for I've I've I don't think I've heard a black guy, maybe my cousin, mm. say they wanted to get into science. Really? No, I but haven't. But there's like loads of black doctors and stuff, don't know. No, there is, but I haven't I haven't heard from myself. Oh, okay, I see. Like I see. a guy tell me I've really wanted to go get yeah, into science. Yeah, yeah. So I'd, of course someone did want to do it, but I've yeah, yeah. been told. No, science science was lit. I liked my teacher and I liked the lessons. Okay, they so that made boring. a difference. Yeah. And okay. you obviously had a lot of practical stuff as well, not just theory. Um, it sounds like you're still interested in it. Science, yeah, yeah. I love, I love science. Yeah, I love it. I just don't, I don't exercise it. Um, it's not too late. No. Yeah, I've got other interests though. That's the thing. So you have to make space for it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, but I've, I've definitely got um, a, a decent interest in science. So, but in college, I wasn't necessarily fully happy because I wasn't doing yeah, the well, science that I wanted. But yeah. I was. I mean, anyway, like college was cool. Um, but, uh, so in my first year, um, so they, you know, when you're applying to uni, they give you, I think they make you do, they do it based on predicted grades. Is mm. it? So I think I had bad predicted grades. What, what was bad to you though? Like between C to E. Oh, is it? Yeah. And that was uncalled for because I was getting like A's in my, like in my So they and, actually predicted that you, uh, under what basis? Under I, don't, I don't know. So I think what there's was, like a generic, um, a generic formula that they use or method that they use for predicted grades. They use a generic, where, where I don't know. Sh- I don't know where it's from. That's but crazy. It was, it was poor. That's terrible actually. Poor, like when I'm but, thinking about it, that's yeah, terrible. Yeah, yeah, it was poor. But when I got my, uh, AS levels back and they were all A's then they were like okay yeah well, <laughs> we were wrong no but it's even bad that before you, I've, you, you've you even seen me do mm. anything you're already predicting me C to E yeah but remember they're looking at this guy like you got rejected from the college but you've done GCSEs you yeah I've done GCSEs I had good GCSEs exactly, I had like A's so. and stuff but still I don't know there's maybe they discount the A because they think he doesn't attend or like he had a bad behavioral record or right. this or that. Maybe they discount it on some basis. Right. Okay. And that A turns into a C and a D and an E or whatever. Right. Um but anyway, I got A's in my ear, so it's like undisputed. You can't right. you can't there's no way like I'm gonna use this for yeah. my uni applications. Um and then I think all my friends were like applying for Kent. Mm. That was like where everyone wanted to go to. So I was like, yeah, Kent. So I was even doing Google Maps how to get from Peckham to Kent, <laughs> like how many days, because I saw the cost of university and I was like, I need to figure out how I'm going to afford this. Um, and I don't know if you remember, like my year was the first year that switched to 9K. I remember. And yeah. I just, I shivered for you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. So like, it's yeah. annoying because most of my friends were a year older and they got through on the 3K. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm about to pay triple. So I was doing all of this maths to figure out how am I going to, afford uni so I was like okay Kent X miles away that means I need to get my driver license so I'd, I'd done my driving at like 17 got mm. my license so I was like okay cool I'm gonna save up for a car 
going to get a car. I'm mm. going to go to uni. The days I have lectures. So two, three days a week. Petrol's going to cost this amount. Oh, Insurance is going to be this. Like if I have a job on the other two days of the yeah. Monday to Friday, then I can pay for this and that. And yeah. I was doing all the maths and yeah. like, it, it just wasn't, it wasn't calculating mm. the way it needed to calculate. Um, but in any case, I got my, uh, when I was actually doing my applications, yeah. the careers advisor was like, you've got good grades. Like you can apply for like more unis. Don't just apply for Kent. Because in like my head, I, going, yeah, yeah, in my head, I was like, okay, I've been rejected from college. I'm not going through that again. I'm going to put everything into this Kent application. I'm yeah. going to get into there. Um, but yeah, they were like, you have five options. Like yeah. think about it. You've got decent grades. So like, just go for it kind of thing yeah um so then i was like okay cool what's the best unis i can apply for um for like an economics related subject uh and then i had the whole host of like it was oxford cambridge lse ucl kings mm. yada yada mm. yada whatever then i was like okay cool the cost of uni as well mm, maybe i should stay in london and i was like okay where's the best place i can go but stay in London. You're so sensible. Everyone said wanting to live their best life. Yeah, but you lot were in 3K. My, my sister went Ken and she's still, she, she's like, I think, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, is it? Yeah, and she. Yeah, well, I don't know. I had a very strong sense of the value of money. Oh, that's like, so 9K good, Like 9K versus you know? 3K. I was like, yo. But student finance, you're going to get finance for it. That's not the. That's not the. Oh, it's, that's so that's not the point. Of course, they're gonna finance it. They want you to yeah. have like it's a product for them, right? It's a. You were thinking about that at uni. Yeah, at uni, like, I did it. I don't think I even thought about. I don't think about it. I yeah, just, but like we're coming from a place where like everyone's a hustler. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean you're counting the pennies? Everyone's yeah, trying to yeah. make money from someone. Do you know what I mean? So you, okay. the value of money is really in the forefront of of your brain, and you're quite skeptical of everything. So yeah, like. Yeah. Everyone's trying to scam you unless proven otherwise. Like, really? Yeah, that's the kind of attitude. Like, everyone's trying to rob you. Everyone's trying to. That's like, such a crazy mindset. To but that's the mindset we had, though, because that's how you would protect yourself. That's how you don't become vulnerable to. Now it makes kind of sense stuff. because sorry, this is a bit like off track, but I remember sometimes I've dated guys mm. and they're just being paranoid. I'm like, what is the problem? Relax, <laughs> and, I, and I'm thinking this is why because you guys have grown up a bit different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's literally why. That's literally why. Oh. So I had the same mindset, and I was like, okay, there's n no one gives you money for free. Why are you giving us this loan? So I investigated. Are and you I serious? Thought, yeah, because like, who gives you nine k for free? I I hadn't seen that like that amount of money before, and you want to just lend me that? You want to just give me that and be like, you don't have to pay it back. Well, you do. Or like, you don't, it's not it's a proper, compulsory. it's not a proper loan. You don't have to yeah. pay me back tomorrow. You can pay me back when you start making money. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Like if, if that ever happened on the road, that person, your soul is being sold in that transaction. Because you know, if you take that money, whoever gave you that money, he's going to ask you to take this package to this place, take this bag to that place, yeah. don't look in it. So you thought the government wanted you to do transactions for them? <laughs> <laughs> no, but that paranoia oh is the thing gosh. that led me to be like, there's there's something more to this student finance thing in it. And yeah. maybe I was overthinking it. People say I was overthinking it, but I'm just like, whatever in it. That's yeah. Let me overthink it for myself then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Got you. But the whole idea was that I was going into uni with the mindset of the career 
I'm going to get into off the back of this needs to take into the uh, needs to take into consideration the cost that I'm paying down. Right. So then I started looking at the numbers that scientists were making because I was literally looking at like G, uh, GSK, um, mm. Glaxo's, uh, Klein, Smith, Smith, right. Klein, uh, scientists, like lab scientists, how much they were making. So yeah. like people that were working on drugs, people that were like doing um, like uh, biotech and stuff like that. Uh. And to be honest, it wasn't, it wasn't enough. How much were they making then? How much was enough for you? You're talking like 30Ks. Uh, like to 40Ks. make drugs? So like like lab scientists, as in... They, they make 30, 40K, yeah. Yeah, like this, at the time. I mean, 30, okay. 40K now is probably more because of inflation and stuff. But mm. um, yeah, at the time, it wasn't... It, it was, I guess, somewhat okay. But like my loan would have been 25 bags tuition only. Yeah. Um, well, 27. And it was a thing of, even though I lived in London, my mum encouraged me to leave. Right. Because she was like, she obviously knew what ends was like. She was like, you're not staying here. Go. Like, yeah. Leave. So I lived out all three years. Oh, and I Yeah. So, but it, it became actually more expensive than I thought because I was living out in London all three years. Whereas if I was like somewhere else, Cost of living is cheaper, etc., etc. Hold on, you, you live by yourself in London. Well, not by myself. But, but I, like, I mean, like yeah, communal. Yeah, 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 yeah independent. Do you remember yeah. how much you paid? Like, yeah. So from, in in first year, um, it was really American style. I shared a room with a guy from America. Okay. Uh, one of my good friends to this day, like he lives in Hong Kong now, mm. um, and it was probably it was quite cheap because we shared. It was. I want to say like around three, four grand for the year. Oh, that's really cheap. Yeah, yeah. yeah but then in, in second year, as yeah. in that's just rent though, isn't it? That's not yeah, like yeah. living Bills and stuff. Bills and food. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, but in first, in second and third year, it was like more like 8K a year. Okay. Yeah, yeah that is expensive. Yeah. So, okay. So we're back to like you working out what, type of scientist path you want to yeah. get into yeah so what was in your head what number did you have that is like i need to be making this money to there wasn't a number because i i didn't know it was all new i didn't right, i didn't okay. know what salary was like a good salary what wasn't a good salary did you your older sisters or brothers or anyone tell you any older tell you Mm, my sister to an extent but this is prior to when i kind of reached out to my sister right okay so this is like I was getting towards the like my capacity of knowledge. Okay. Um, and I just I just didn't know because I was seeing numbers. All I knew was that the calculations weren't working out. Right. Because I was here spending, you know, like maybe 40, 45K, 50K on university and seeing salaries of less than that. Yeah. So I was like, I mean, it's simple maths. It's not adding up. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not adding up. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, how much can I net save from that salary and mm. use to pay down this loan thing, you know? Mm. So, um, yeah, I got to, like, the capacity of my knowledge and that's when I started to look, okay, my brother was sorting himself out on his path. And, like, again, prior to that, we had, like, some difficult situations. Um, I think he, he talks about it in his, like, uh, he's a director now, like he's a creative, but mm. he talks about it in some pieces that he's done. Um, 
And yeah, there was like just some peak situations that happened. And so he was coming out of that. So I had to kind of skip him and then look at the next person, which I was fortunate enough to have older, older siblings. And my sister was there. And mm. she, um, at the time, she was living in Switzerland. Okay. Having prior, prior to that lived in New York. I love this. Yeah. I love the family that you're so, you sound like you, you're coming from. Yeah, from your yeah. mum to your brother to your sisters being yeah, like... Yeah, yeah. No, they're, they're, they're lit. Less. They're definitely lit. I love that. They're definitely lit. Um, like, and my sister above that was... Mm. Uh, she was a teacher. Okay. And then uh, my sister above that, she worked in the NHS. Okay. So I knew I didn't want to work in the NHS. I knew I didn't want to be a teacher. Um then when I looked at my sister, she worked in finance. Mm. That's how she was like working in all these places. So I was like, first of all, that's cool. Like moving around. Mm. Um, then second of all, it was just interesting because I had switched from being like a science guy to like an economics guy. Mm. Um, mostly because I had a, in school, there was this economics teacher that was, he, his, his name was Mr. Fotheringham. He was hilarious. Like, he was the most nerdy guy you could ever think of. Yeah. He used to, like, ride a skateboard to, to school. <laughs> and, like, he just didn't care about anyone. And he started dating, like, one of the hottest teachers. Is it? After a while. And I was like, if this guy... It's money. It's not even money no? because it's just him. It's just his <laughs> charisma. Like, he's passionate about economics. He's passionate about what he does. He's a passionate teacher. Yeah. He was just a funny guy. I was like... It makes a difference. I feel like yeah. when, when you're a good teacher in a particular t um, subject, mm. it can really brighten up and, you know, make you love something. Because I remember, just on that note, I remember doing drama in school. I love drama mm. in school. But then when I did it in SFX, that teacher, I don't even say her name. She knows who she is. She And and Denise was in the same class yeah. as me as well. She kind of put a dampen on drama for me. Really? Drama. Do you know what I mean? That's a How? fun subject. She put a dampen on it for me. Oh. But business... I love my business teacher. And I was yeah. like, oh, I like this. This is a bit of me. Yeah. I like this. Yeah. So yeah, teachers definitely, like when they're charismatic and they yeah. deliver information. Because we're impressionable way. at that age. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even in general now, if you're delivering information mm -hmm. to me, can it be a little bit interesting mm -hmm. just so that I can be engaged with it? So yeah, yeah. I, no, I, I understand defo, that. Defo. Like he, that kind of, it was ringing in my, in my ears and I kind of lent into the subjects a bit more because of that. Mm. And I found, I, I enjoyed it and I was good at it. And a lot of people in my class, they weren't necessarily, it wasn't really like clicking for them like that. Right, I got you. And I just, yeah, I just decided to just lean into it even more and even more. And mm. I was, from then I was like, okay, maybe there's something within this. Right. Let me chat to my sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then when I spoke to my sister, I kind of got an understanding of what she did. And um, she was telling me about like derivatives and like options and like these financial structures and, uh, like risk and this and I was like raw this is mad interesting okay like Ooh. I want to I want to learn about yeah, it yeah I want to okay. get into this so then I became a bit fixated on it yeah and then I realised that the uni that I was going to was like a factory for all of that stuff yeah Um. then I was like okay cool the numbers I think are making more sense here but let me take a gap here to like earn some money first of all and then like really really understand if mm. I can go into that path without going to uni or mm. if I actually need to go to uni so what did you do in that gap year how did you navigate your way through so life? so my sister recommended this program um 
called uh, the brokerage and she recommended that I apply to it, mm. find a way to get in and then through there, like get an internship okay. to get an understanding of like what the industry is and see where I would fit into it. So I did that mm. um, and there was a, a gap year opportunity that popped up mm. and I I just went for it. I applied for it, got to the final round. It was actually, it was me uh, and another girl that I actually still know now. It's quite funny. She's proper cool and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it was me versus her to get the role. I ended up getting it. And uh, I think then was like, I just began to see life completely differently because I, I was finally like one leg in, like one foot in. Mm-hmm. So I could see all those things I was trying to research and Google and like try to build this understanding of the industry. I was finally like, I had a leg into it mm. so I could in- explore it from the inside. Mm. Um, so I spent a whole year doing that, got uh, exposure to like all the different departments within like a commercial investment bank. Like tell us about that. Just give us a bit of an insight. So yeah, cool. So I was um, initially on the finance team because okay. I thought when you apply to finance, that's where you should go. But it actually turned out that the finance team was basically like a support function where right. uh, that's where accountants are. Okay. And like they basically do the accounting for the bank. Mm. So it wasn't like, now I know it's called like front office and back office. Right. But at the time, uh, I didn't know that, that that was the case. So I basically applied for something that I, I thought was X and it turned out to be Y. Right. Um, but once I was in, it meant that I could network and I could ask mm. questions. So I used to like, so we were doing accounting I would and I would see like, you know, hundreds of millions of euros worth of transactions going from like, you know, one counterparty to another and like across different um, products. So like bonds, uh, FX, okay. credit <laughs> rates. And I was like, what are these things that we're accounting for? And yeah. why are they going from like counterparty to counterparty? Like what is, what does all of this mean? Yeah. Um, and then I decided to just like figure out, okay, whose name is attached to this? Let me go chat to that person. Okay. So on that topic, I mm. feel like there's so much you just mentioned <laughs> that a lot of our listeners, <laughs> I'm not going to admit that I don't know, <laughs> are not going to understand. So yeah. kind of delve in a little bit more to mm. like, what you mentioned about the different, like the bonds and the yeah, different, yeah. just so so basically, what I learned at the time that uh, a commercial or an investment bank was is basically a, an intermediary that like connects institutions that need to raise capital and connects them with institutions that need to deploy capital. Okay. So it's all about creating balance. You know, okay. same as like Thanos. I don't know if you've watched um, Endgame. Uh, no. Anyone that's watched Endgame, yeah. Thanos is like the villain. But oh, wait, is that um, a part of the, is it Marvel? Marvel, yeah. Okay, yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah. I, I think yeah. I did see it. Yeah, so like Thanos' whole thing is like the universe requires balance. You need right, like okay. an equal weighting of just okay. balance in life, right? So that's what, investment banks try to do they're like an intermediary that help to achieve financial balance that's the aim in theory right because they connect businesses governments individuals who need capital they connect them to other institutions that have capital 
that they want to invest. Okay, so my question is, what are the, I guess, where are the places that you get capital from? So what are those different, like, sources that you get the money from? And what are they called? How do you identify them? How do investment, um, I guess, bank bankers, whatever, how do they actually make money? It might be obvious, mm. but I'll just explain it. Um, so start off with that first. Yeah, so a lot of it's it's generally fee-based. You know, so like any other industry where you're connecting a buyer and a seller. Right, okay. That person doing that connecting it's is... It's going to charge a fee. Okay. Exactly. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. Um, they exist, like, to serve their clients. Okay. And they have clients on both sides. You know, the people that need capital and the people that have capital. Right. Um, and that's essentially it. Okay. Um, so the ways in which people raise capital, i.e. the way these two counterparties interact with each other through an investment bank would typically be uh, through different asset classes. Okay. So a government might issue a bond and be like to the investment bank, hey, we want to issue this bond. Can you find people on the other side that are going to buy this bond? Essentially lending What's a this. bond? It's What's basically a bond? like a lending product. Okay. So the government says, hey, we want to borrow 100 million pounds or dollars or euros in general so you get in it general first. yeah you go find someone that wants to invest 100 million pounds euros or dollars okay. and we will pay them let's say two percent interest so question with mm. the investment bank bankers and all the, the kind of middleman do mm. they need to understand what the obviously what the investment for like and they have to kind of sell that to people as exactly well. so you've got sales people i'm guessing in the exactly business. got you exactly okay exactly that exactly it's so, it's like any other like intermediary like right, whether okay. you're selling houses cars okay, jewelry you. you're selling money you're selling financing right okay the, the product is financing so it's it's literally the same so just kind of skipping past your uni experience really mm. quickly because i know that time is going and i want to get into your niz nizonomics mm. did i say it correctly nizonomics yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> what is that mm. and Talk to me about the different things that you teach and how people can kind of find out all about it and everything. Um, yeah, sure. So I wouldn't. I would say like Nizinomics is is a it's a platform. It's like an online platform, and it was really born out of uh, just me expressing like my thoughts. Um, so obviously, I studied psychology at university, but I found that psychology is actually quite important in the yeah. investment. Uh, field and in finance in general because you're dealing with people right mm. um, so I found it was really important to like express thematic ideas on paper and like get it out of your head and put it down and right. you know because the more you write the more you're able to articulate things the more you're able to like um, flesh out ideas from start to finish um, and the way you're you, you, the the more you're able to kind of like go into depth about certain topics. So, sorry, just to cut you. So mm. on so on the um, is it you just kind of brainstorming your own thoughts and ideas on things or is it you educating people or like what is the context? So it's, uh, it's, very, it's, it's very educational because if you read it, you're reading someone's uh, kind of like thematic idea around a certain topic. Mm. So you're learning about a topic through the lenses mm. of the person that writes it mm. so that's kind of like the tone of voice that everything is in it's not like a here's a 
you know, one-stop shop of like an educational um, reading of this is what a bond is, this is what a an equity is, this is right. what FX is, you know, this is what investing is. Um, it's not like theor- theoretical like that. Um, it's more kind of through the lenses of my experiences. So you okay. kind of get an inclination of all of those things, but you get it through like firsthand experience rather okay. than someone being like, this is the textbook definition of this. Got this you, te- got you know, you, because got that's you. number one, that's not interesting. And number two, you can Google that. Like okay. if you want, do you know what I so mean? So for people that are listening, mm. what are the key reasons that they should check out Nizanomics? Like if they're, if they're looking for what in particular, mm. like you're just your opinions and your experiences of investing. Yeah, I think if, so um, on the basis, like if you're trying to understand like the financial system, yeah. how it works, and you're trying to go a little bit beyond textbook definitions, mm. then all the blogs on that platform is is going to be useful because it's okay. gonna it's gonna give you context to okay, stuff, okay. you know. Because I found when I was doing like my due diligence of the industry, mm. all I could find was just textbook definitions. Right, it's not enough. Right. Like it's just a couple of lines that defines a word that right. that doesn't give any context. Okay. To, to what it's like to work in the industry or it doesn't tell you anything it's very cold and bland so give us some context as to mm. like what it's like to work in the industry and invest investment banking and also um explain the difference between that and the hedge fund mm-hmm. as well so i'd start with the second question first so um like i described before like an investment bank is an intermediary so yeah. it's in the middle of two sets of institutions mm. on the one side guys that need to raise capital and then on the Mm. other side the guys with capital Mm. that want to deploy it Mm. so a hedge fund is on the side of people that have capital so a hedge fund is 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 a pool of money essentially um and hedge funds typically have a specific strategy or mandate that they use to invest and deliver returns Mm. for their investors that's literally it there's there's no there's no other reason a hedge fund exists except to deliver returns on capital. Okay, cool. There's 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 nothing <coughs> else. Sorry. There, there's nothing else, you know. Like there's no you know a lot of companies have this is our mission statement. Mm. You know, this is why we <laughs> exist. We want to just to get money. Yeah, okay. like there's there's nothing. It's very streamlined. Okay. Um and yeah, <laughs> I mean it has a bad rep to some people. I mean, so what's it been like working in investment and then mm. going like and, and also working in an, um, in a hedge fund as well? Um, I'd say working in in an investment bank is it's more full stack in the sense that you know you've got salespeople there, mm. you've got bankers, you've got traders, you've mm. got all sorts of different got roles and personalities. Generally, the size is larger. So like, mm. I went from working at a company with like tens to hundreds of thousands of people to my company now which is like 300 and something people right so okay. it's, a, it's a very stark difference right yeah, yeah. um so culturally it's it's very different mm. um i'd say currently uh at the hedge fund it's very it's hyper focused mm. on a specific goal um whereas working at an investment bank it was less hyper focused because you have 
maybe a wider range of goals Got that you're you. trying to achieve at the same time. Got you. Um, so yeah, I feel like now I'm like channeling more energy into like a n- more narrow subset of things, which mm. is good because you it feels like you go harder and deeper yeah. in a shorter amount of time. Why did you change? Is, is that the reason why you, why you switched? Yeah, because as I, when I joined, so when I started working in investment banking, mm. I, it was good because I got an idea of like all of the possible routes afterwards mm. because you're interacting with like all these institutions on both sides. Mm. You're seeing what they do. You're seeing, hmm, do I like that? Is that interesting? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and it just turned out like, I gravitated more towards like some of the activities um, one of the client sets were were doing. Mm. And I was like, hmm, that's a little bit of me. I like that. That's going to be the area that I'm going to try and pivot into. Okay. Um, so yeah, it was literally like a case of, you know, seeing what was on offer and then finding something that suited and then really trying to attack that. Um, and it took me a long time. It took me like four years. So, so basically, so when you say it took you four years, was it a thing where you was in investment banking and then mm. you realised, I want to get to a hedge fund and then mm. it took you four years to get into a hedge yes. fund? What was that journey like? Um, it was good. I enjoyed it. I, because I had, I had a timeline. I had, I gave myself five years. So, oh, yeah, so, yeah. You, so you hit it within your five year. Yeah, just about, just about. So what steps did you have to make to get into the hedge fund? Um, so basically... In second year uni, I'd done an internship in the investment bank that I okay. got an offer at. Okay. So I knew I had a job when I was going to graduate. So when you go at LSC. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a factory. Honestly, it's a factory. Um, so I knew I had a job. So then the question was, okay, am I sure I want to take the job? So I was exploring like, okay, what are routes after that? Like mm. generally when people work in investment banking, what do they do afterwards? Yeah. Um, and then I joined like a committee uh a society called Alternative Investment Society. And that's where I was exposed to like all the post-investment banking activities. I was like, rah, hedge fund, they do X, Y, Z. Yeah. That's what I'm on. Yeah. So I went into the job knowing, okay, cool. I've got five years because I looked at the oh, roots I and I saw that. So calculated. Yeah, I saw most people take like the, the elite, most elite people within one to two years, they've cut like they've made the switch right um on average it probably takes five to eight years okay so and you then, beat it basically yeah yeah and then um you get like depending on the type of hedge fund you're going to you might actually need, actually need like 10 to 15 years to be able really? to make that move. yeah yeah so what's your positioning because i don't know mm. anything about a hedge fund so what's your role and kind of is it like is it quite hierarchical? Like where do you it's sit? It's not in the hierarchical business? at okay. all. So in the investment bank, it was very, it was like hierarchy to the T. Yeah. Like and all the politics that comes along with that. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> there was like analyst, associate, um, like VP, and then like you've got MD, like director, and then manager Sound director. Like worst yeah. Right. Then after manager director, you've got like okay, you're you're the head of this section or yeah, yeah. this asset class you're the head of like this department and then like you've got okay your regional head now yeah. and then you know what I mean like yeah. there's literally doom, 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 doom. so yeah there's not that that doesn't exist right where I am it's it's I'd say there's like two levels you're either uh, less junior or more junior 
I'm guessing you're more junior. Um, I would say. In the middle, transitioning. Transitioning, yeah. Okay. Because yeah. you because you, you seem clued up. Yeah, from, yeah. From this yeah. Whole conversation. Yeah. So, what does your role entail? What do you have to do? So my role is quite hybrid. Um, okay. So I've got a I've got like three mandates basically. So one is uh, trading. So executing all of our portfolio trades and so basically we have a massive portfolio that we manage and that portfolio day-to-day changes because of movements in the market but also changes based on our strategy so because of that you need to rebalance the portfolio and in order to rebalance the portfolio you need to trade you need to trade the assets you need to do it or you get someone else we need to do it we need to trade the portfolio to match the portfolio that we want Right. So if, if the portfolio deviates, then we need to maybe buy and sell some assets to like put the portfolio back to where we wanna when wanna uh to back to where we wanna have it. So that's one of my responsibilities. Um a second responsibility is uh portfolio management. So deciding what do we want this portfolio to look to look like. Right, okay. Um and then the third element is research. So research is basically giving you ideas, finding ideas mm. uh, that will tell you to make the portfolio like this. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? So it's all okay. interlinked. Like you research some stuff, you'd be like, hmm, idea. Maybe we should make the portfolio look like this. Right. Portfolio management. Hmm, okay, this is how we're going to construct the portfolio to match what the research says. And then once you've got that, we're going to be like, okay, cool. Now we need to execute some trades to make sure our existing portfolio reflects this. Is, do you do this as a team or do you, is this your individual is it quite individual based so there's a there's a team level yeah um which is where like my boss dictates and decides how everything goes together mm. and then there's a sub team level okay where um on any like given strategy within the portfolio right uh you decide to yourself like your boss is not telling you okay like you need to do this and this and this okay. um yeah so there's two levels there's like uh, I guess global level okay. and then like local local level okay okay so just for anyone that's like any I guess younger professionals that are looking to get into finance and everything mm. just to kind of summarize a little bit what could they expect leaving uni mm. what can they expect salary wise and what can they expect process wise like what type of ex- expectations um should they kind of put in themselves like what do they need to do to get into like investment banking um, I would say going to, so you really need to start early. Start early, okay. Yeah, you need to explore. So I'm, t- I'm too late, basically. If I wanted to get into it, it's too late. If we're being realistic, probably, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but okay. but I would say as in if you're trying to get into my seat, it's probably too late because by the time you like U-turn and then do everything that you need to do, then like it's going to take time, right? Yeah. But I mean, if you like, you work in um, talent acquisition, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, I don't want to get into investment banking. No, no, I'm but I'm, I'm just making <laughs> yeah. an example yeah. that is, if you wanted to pivot into finance, you could, yeah, because there's there's a role like that in finance, right? Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So it's never too late in terms of pivoting, right? But in terms of like specific roles, yeah, 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 just have to be realistic about um, the time that it might take exactly yeah yeah because then you gotta think okay are you going against someone that has been on that track for like 10 years yeah and do you know what i mean so it's it's just about being re- realistic but i think for people that are um maybe like in uni or like mm. college or whatever 
start early mm. start early like start exploring early and you get rewarded for exploring because yeah. then you can put all your explorative efforts on your cv mm-hmm. and it shows interest right because when someone looks at hiring someone they're gonna look at that level they don't necessarily care that you've never managed a portfolio of like 100 million before because obviously you haven't you're 15 yeah, or yeah, 16 yeah. or 17 yeah. but it's like okay what is this person doing that shows signs that a they have aptitude for it and b they have a genuine interest in it such that if that that person was on my desk yeah. i'm not going to feel like i'm wasting my time yeah. imparting knowledge on them because yeah. that's that's the worst thing that people don't like they don't giving like giving you knowledge and you just yeah, throw it away like time wasters yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. yeah so you get rewarded for being inquisitive and um, trying to like discover stuff. So okay. I'd say start early. Mm. Um, in terms of like salary, you can expect very good salaries. Like, and to put into context, starting off like yeah, yeah like to, to put into context, I think maybe um, maybe ten years ago, graduates in front office roles, so like investment banking, trading, uh, sales, were probably starting on like. 10 years ago, maybe 40K. That is exceptional for graduates. Yeah, but I mean, it's, I mean, now, like five years ago, it might have been like 50, 60. And then like now, I mean, it's crazy because post-pandemic, a lot of, there was actually a graduate class at Goldman Sachs that did this whole like, they leaked um, basically some working condition stuff and they were like, ah, this is this is peak, pay us more. So yeah, like the starting salaries is very competitive now. Mm. Um, it's very high. Like I wouldn't be surprised if it's like 80 to 100K. Okay, well, it's, for me, it's not too late. <laughs> I'm joking about that. No, but that's, that's, that's the reality of it. That's, but, that's wicked. But at the same time, you have to be conscious of the fact that, it's a lot again, of no one gives money for free. Yeah, it's a lot so of work. You remember how I was it. saying, like with the student loan thing, no one's gonna give you yeah, yeah, yeah. that There's, piece for free. Yeah, There's a catch. Yeah. So yeah. the catch with earning those sort of salaries off the back straight after graduation is they will work you for it. Yeah, you're going to work hard. Yeah, and but I guess long term it's worth it though, isn't it? So this is the thing. Yeah. Sometimes it's not. Okay. Because. This is why, like, on my blog, for example, yeah. I write a lot about the psychological part of it as well. Mm. Because you could ask yourself, like, I remember when I was, like, two, three years into the into the role, one of my um, colleagues went to a funeral mm. and I asked him, like, how did a person pass away? It was a suicide. Yeah. The guy was, like, 32, 33. He was on, like, two mil a year. Oh, wow. Had a wife, family, everything. Overworking. Yeah, like, you, not even overworking. Like, he's in a decent position like he's Mm. in a management type of role his hours aren't crazy okay he's got everything you could imagine that he would want like he's set he's got like you're set for life kind of thing um and he still killed himself and he he was just he was just unhappy because he had this idea of there's a goal yeah he reached it and it was like is this it this is it yeah do you know what's crazy when i was at stephen bartlett's show sorry Mm. like a, a couple of months ago um, he said the same thing. Mm. He was like, when his company was valued at 300 million, he was like, I was expecting this weird, this like, overwhelming feeling, but I don't have that. Yeah. And that's why I, I just don't think chasing money is it. Like, it's chasing passion. Yeah, yeah, like, honestly. And I, was, yeah. I kid you not, it's it sounds a bit privileged for me to say it because I'm in that sector. But mm. if you're going to go in for it, first and foremost 
for the for bread money. only. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's, it's not dangerous. Worth it. Yeah, it's dangerous because a yeah. you're not gonna enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. So you're mentally, it's you're probably just gonna quit. You're not yeah, gonna last because yeah, I've yeah. seen it. I've seen bare people just going quit. for the peas, couldn't hack it. There was no wider drive for yeah, anything else. Yeah. It was solely for bread. They couldn't do it and they cut. Within. So what drives you? For me, um, initially when I started, it was running away was my driver okay and i've had the wobble of okay nothing's chasing me no more how do i motivate myself what do i like Mm. why am i doing this sort of thing i've had that moment Mm. i've had that moment definitely um and for me now it's about chasing happiness and being like content in what i'm doing so like Mm. i chase happiness first and foremost and anything that helps me lean into that more Mm. i'm gonna do Mm-mm. you see what i mean Mm-mm. so um yeah that's like that's my driver now but honestly mm. going into it for bread and bread alone is Isn't, not the one because yeah. there's bare ways you can make bread yeah. you don't need to work crazy hours to make bread solely right mm-hmm. um and a lot of my peers have quit and left because that's not where their passion is mm. and also i feel like you if you only do things for money you can potentially get caught up in doing some unethical things you can like you know from bribes to like loads of things yeah, just because yeah. like oh it's paying me more so yeah. swing so yeah that's yeah that, it's that's yeah it's 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 techie like there's definitely um a good earning curve to mm. be had mm. but it can't like blind you you need to have like other things to you you know exactly because what's the point of having all the all like all that money and also there's lifestyle creep right yeah like people think that even if you earn 200k a year like you can still be as stressed as someone that's earning 20k 100 and then it's like what's the point earning 200k then yeah it's pointless you're having the same stress you might as well alleviate alleviate yourself of that job career stress yeah go and earn 20k and have the same stress yeah. but have more hours in the day exactly to do no it's true you're right no you're right you know what you're I mean? right you're right like you... says the man that probably earns bare money but it's true no but no, but, 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 like, but you're right like of like what's the point then you your whole yeah. thing was oh i need to make money so i can do xyz but then you get there and you're still as stressed as, yeah it doesn't make any sense you know what i mean yeah so you have yeah. to keep the happiness thing in the in the forefront and like exactly. stay on that you know we so. like soft life that's what we like. Yeah, if you like soft life, then... <laughs> That's not me. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, like, you have been insightful mm. and very open in this conversation. I just want to thank you for that as well. Because I feel like a lot, especially younger mm. um, individuals can learn a lot from you and your, like, your journey and everything. Where can people find you? And if they want to reach out to you for any questions, can they, should they... Like. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm not a black box. Like, okay. I'm I'm all over the place on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Josh Nizzy everywhere. Okay. Um, but yeah, my main like focal point is the the blog Nizzy Nomics. Is, so, okay, I had a link to it in the podcast description. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That's that's the main place. I think like all all my lines of thinking go there. Perfect. You know, so you almost don't even need to ask questions. I'm happy to bump heads, obviously, but yeah. if you look through the stuff there, like, yeah, then it, it's probably going to trigger your own thought process to, to like research more. Yeah, research more and even oppose it, you know, because yeah, it's just yeah. my line of thinking. I'm not like, I'm not God. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> but just, it's, your, it's your opinion. Yeah, it's just my opinion. So it, yeah. you might read it and be like, which is often happened, you might read yeah. it and be like, actually, you know what? I don't agree with. It.
that. Yeah. But here's how I would look at it. You know what I mean? And that's valuable in yeah. of itself. So. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on today no and um, sharing some insight. And um, if I have any specific questions, I'm gonna I'm gonna message him. Guys. So um, it's Josh Nizzy on everything, Josh Nizzy, isn't it? Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. I'll add all the links into the podcast description so you can all find him. But yeah, thank you so much, guys, for listening, and I'll see you all on the next episode. Bye. Peace. <laughs>